We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com. Joining me shortly is Chris Peterman, who covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. And we have a thrilling, aggravating, strange, wacky 49ers overtime win in Cincinnati to talk about. There were ups, there were downs. We're going to cover all of it. Let's get into it. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. after a game for a while like usually right after a game there's one big thing that i'm like okay this is the takeaway like this is the this is the this is the story of this game but when brandon Ayuk's touchdown was ruled a touchdown there were 50 things laying on the table and it was like i need to get this organized like this is that was that was nuts everything was nuts about that game it's the hard part about our job, right? Because there's so many things that happen in a game, so many details you need to remember. And you're just trying to piece it together in your head while you're trying to figure out what to write and what to talk about in the game after the fact. And then sometimes you lose the forest or the trees sometimes. Like mm-hmm. you just get so wrapped up in details and like, oh man, this crazy thing happened. And then like, sometimes you just got to like remove yourself for, for a second and be like, okay, what's this mean going forward? Right. Right. And and so for the 49ers in this one, they won a game that I think you and I had been saying they haven't been able to win throughout the season just by, by the way the game went, um, by the fact that they weren't able to run the, the ball 40 times. Right. Mm-hmm. They did. They did need Jimmy Garoppolo to come through in clutch moments. Um, they still couldn't cover anybody. Uh, they you know, they almost gave the game away. It was, it, it was very emblematic of what this 49ers season has been so far, mm-hmm. but yet here they are at seven and six and, you know, their playoff shots or their playoff chances are likely, but not really solidified, but it's just sort of like, that's who this team is, right? They're, they're, they're mediocre at times, but they're also better than a lot of the bad mediocre teams in the league. Right. Are they a good bad team or a bad good team? <laughs> I think I think they're, they're more definitely of a bad, bad good. good. Team. Yeah. Absolutely. They're more of a bad good team because this is still this team still has the bones of that 2019 team that went to the totally. Super Bowl. And when so, they play and when they play at a high level, it's not like, oh yeah, they can beat some teams. When they're playing at a high level, it's like, oh, they can beat a lot of teams. Right. When they punch above their weight, they can beat anybody in the league. Right. But when they but that so often that's what's so frustrating about this team is mm-hmm. like they're they're more talented than than what their record is and they have you know a foundation and a coach in place where you feel like they should be better than where they are but these are the type of wins and Fred Warner mentioned it after the game like they hadn't really had a win that 
is like I don't I don't know, I don't know if like character development is like the right way to put it, but like a real character win that, that like tracks, like overcame a bunch of stuff and won in the last in the final moments. Like they mm-hmm. hadn't really had a win like that. Their wins had all been these sort of blowouts because they're able to run the ball and take advantage of mistakes from other teams. Um, but today was one of those games where it's like, all right, they got hit uh, and they and they fought back and they won it late. And this is, this mm-hmm. hasn't been, frankly, this hasn't been a team this year. That's won in clutch moments very often. Yeah. Yeah. They, they've won some of these games in the first and second quarter. Right. So this was, this was an important step for them, particularly now that we're in December. Um, now that it looks like they are going to be a playoff team, they still have four games left and, and I think they need to win at least two of them. Well, they have um, the Falcons and the Texans on the schedule. Those should be W's. If they're a playoff team, they win those games. Yeah, and we mentioned before before this game, like they needed to to win three out of their last five mm-hmm. to get to you know to nine get and eight. To nine and eight. Like that's probably what what their record has to be to secure a playoff spot. And they had to win one of their three remaining road games, and so mm-hmm. they got that one. Right. Um. They they should handle business, obviously, against the Falcons and the Texans who they host at Levi's stadium. And then, you know, anything else, if you can win in Tennessee, that's gravy. Um, right. If you can beat the Rams again, obviously that could be big. Um, so yeah, this, this was a big one just from the standpoint of like looking at the, how the rest of the season was going, given the fact that three of their last five were on the road mm-hmm. and they needed to get to at least nine wins. They had to win a road game. And so they got that right. one first. And now I don't want to say they have wiggle room because they're in the six, you know, the six seed. So it's not, right. they don't really have a whole lot of wiggle room, but um, they're, they're in a better spot after this win, which is super in-depth thoughtful analysis. That would have been, but that would have been just to that point, they were up 20 to six in the fourth quarter. I know that a loss counts as one loss, no matter how you lose it. But if you lose that game and you go to six and seven, they're out of the playoffs now. And they need to win three of their final four with two of them on the road. Right. Three of them on the road. Two of them on the road. And that that would have just been a really, really daunting task. And you're coming off a game where it's like, man, they had a 14-point lead halfway through the fourth quarter and couldn't hold on to it. Right. And that still happened. They were still down by a field goal in overtime. But they did the thing that we that we said that anybody who who covers this team in any capacity said. The issue is when it gets to to crunch time and you need to throw, can you do it? And frankly, today, forget what happened the first four plus quarters. It came down to that and they did it like Jimmy Garoppolo. That's where I want to kind of start. Jimmy Garoppolo for the for all the mistakes he made during the game. Missing Kyle Juszczyk for a touchdown. Um, nearly throwing a pick six that, that would have ended the game late in the fourth quarter. Um, he missed a, a throw high to George Kittle. Uh, nearly missed another one. Kittle made an incredible catch there in that last drive. Dropping like, the ball for no reason at the top dro- of his drop. <laughs> I mean, just just fumbling for no reason. Taking He took a couple of bad sacks. I don't think all the sacks on him were on him today, but there were a couple that that I think definitely were. It's just like you saw all these mistakes that just make it so aggravating. You you have to figure for Kyle Shanahan to be his coach, but then you get into OT and he was money. It yeah. wasn't it wasn't a Saint situation where it was fourth and two and he dumped it off to George Kittle and Kittle did the rest. Like he was making some really really good throws in really really big spots, and the touchdown was all Brandon Ayuk, but. To get to that point, the third and five, Kittle runs a little slant. Garoppolo fitted in there nicely. The Juwan Jennings back shoulder throw outside the numbers. That's one of the best throws Garoppolo's had all season. Ever. Like it was, <laughs> it was under the, the, the non touchdown to Brandon Ayuk. Yeah. Um, earlier in the game, I'm going over good stuff he did now. The, the, the out route on the, on the right hand side of the end zone that didn't fit in there. Um, he had the throw to Kittle down the field where Kittle's arm was trapped mm-hmm. and, and the, the PI flag didn't come out. There was the underthrow to Travis Benjamin where Nick Wagner covers the 49ers for ESPN, our favorite cast member, noted that it wasn't an underthrown ball as much as it was just late. Yeah. And 
unless you're going to be able to throw it 75 yards in the air. Like if you wait that long, it's just eventually like he threw it 50 plus yards in the air. Like it's yeah, like you're playing three flies up at that point. Right. So that, that again was just kind of late and it was just the full Jimmy Garoppolo experience. It was for every, for every head scratching, like, Oh my God, he almost threw a game ending pick six throw. You're going to get a dime to Juwan Jennings down the field. You know, it's, it's the full, it was the, it's the good with the bad. It's why the 49ers can win with him mixed in with why the 49ers won't win with him. So because they should have blown out. They should have blown Cincinnati out. Oh, I agree. Like Cincinnati was bad. They were a majority of the game. They were so bad. And they scored 17 straight points. What was Zach Taylor doing by the way? When? Just early in that game, kicking field goals. Well, Kyle Shanahan did too. Um, no, like, but like the, handing the ball off. Yeah. I don't know who's a weird. Um, I think the biggest point, and I agree with everything you said about Garoppolo. I, I think the biggest point for me is that the Niners asked Jimmy Garoppolo to throw 41 times, and a couple of those were at the end to just kill clock. Um, when he was just throwing it out of bounds, but he didn't turn the ball over. Jimmy Garoppolo had a game where he threw 41 times and did not turn the ball over. This is after throwing three interceptions combined in his last two games. Um, He had two picks last week against Seattle. He threw it 30 times. He had a pick against Minnesota. He threw it 26 times. Um, And then his other games where he didn't have turnovers, 19 attempts, 22 attempts. So he threw 41 times without turning the ball over today. And he could have at the end of the fourth quarter, Man. he threw a ball that very easily could have been a pick six that would have lost the 49ers a game. But ultimately that pass got dropped and right. the 49ers won it. And again, Garoppolo was excellent in overtime. So that to me is the biggest thing, right? The 49ers and we talked about it or I talked about it this week, just the importance of turnovers. 49ers win a game by what? Uh, I don't even know the final score. 26-23. Win a game by three points in a game where they get 10 points coming directly off of muff punts. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, that's those are those types of plays that can swing games. It's sort of, in situations like that, a lot of times, it doesn't matter how well you're playing offensively or defensively. And that's what's been so frustrating about the 49ers because there have been games where they're better than the other team. They're outplaying Mm -hmm. the other team, but they're giving the ball away And that's ultimately having the biggest impact on the score of the game. And all these games are close. Every possession matters. And there was a point in this game where the 49ers had like seven possessions and the Bengals had four, you know, just because of those, the discrepancy in the turnovers of muff punts. Mm -hmm. It's 10 points. The Bengals, the Bengals were, were credited with four fumbles. I counted six. (laughs) If you include the muffed punts. Sure. They put the ball on the ground a lot. It was just not a sharp and, performance for them. And until, Joe Burrow also threw an interception that was nullified by an Amory Thomas hands to the face. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a, and it was, it was just the like quintessential Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, what the hell is he doing? Oh my God. What a throw type of performance. But it was weird, too, because it wasn't like the super efficient Jimmy Garoppolo that we're used to Mm-mm. seeing, right? Like He averaged, yeah, took a lot of shots. He averaged 7.2 yards per attempt, mm-hmm. which is like, that's one of his lowest average yards per attempt of the season. Mm-hmm. Like last week against even Seattle, he averaged 10 yards an attempt. Mm-hmm. And against Minnesota, he was up to 8.9 and then 8 in Jacksonville and 9.58 against the Rams. Like his efficiency stems from the 49ers being able to run the ball. But when he has to throw 41 times, he he's just not as efficient as a, as a player. Right. But ultimately like you don't have Elijah Mitchell in this game. So you get a monster performance from George Kittle. You get Mm -hmm. Debo Samuel contributing, not in a hugely productive way, but he does add another rushing touchdown. Um, seems like they all like all Debo Samuel's rushing touchdowns feel like they come on the same play. <laughs> the, the toss sweep. Yeah, I don't understand. I, I I mean, I don't know how teams game plan for it. I don't know exactly how the 49ers design it, but I don't understand how teams aren't 
maybe the Niners just block it perfectly. They block this touchdown perfectly. Right. You had Tom Compton like, in space. Not, you had Juwan Jennings. You had George Kittle. Like they, they were like four or five blocks that were perfect on that side of the field that allowed Samuel Cruz in. But how do you not cheat another guy over there? <laughs> what's what's happening? That like you said, it's the same play every time. He stretches it out, gets to the corner, waits for Compton Kittle to set their blocks, and he's gone. These cor- these coordinators need to watch more tape. Clearly, uh, Danny Kelly, host of the Ringer Fantasy Football Podcast, friend of the show tweeted i don't understand how debo samuel is fast (laughs) and man that's really spot on because it doesn't look like he's moving that fast but nobody can touch he doesn't have the traditional like fast guy stride like he sort of he sort of waddles like he doesn't he doesn't pick his legs up he's sort of like a squat guy to begin with like he looks like a running back Mm -hmm. but he's he's fast and he's decisive and he's hard as hell to bring down and he's just like a real, like, this is cliche as hell, but he's just like a real football player. Like just a that, football guy. The, the, the contact balance, the, the ability to just hit the hole aggressively, the toughness, all of that stuff is just beyond, like, it, it's, it's beyond normal things. It's just like he's, mm-hmm. like, he's that type of player. Like, he's elevating himself from... Like he's just so unique, but he's elevating himself from a pretty good player who we thought would be like the Niners one or two receiver to like a star. Right. Right. Like Debo Samuel very well could be an all pro this year. Mm-hmm. Probably should be given what he's doing. And you're starting to see the influence of what Debo Samuel's doing on other teams. Like Kyle Shanahan might be like their receivers lining up in the backfield around the league now. And you think about the way that that could impact the NFL, like, holy shit, I can get a wide receiver lined up on a linebacker and all I have to do is is put him in the backfield and then split a running back out wide and have a cornerback cover him. And now I have a mismatch in the middle of the field when my quarterback can only throw in the middle of the field like Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, like <laughs> it's what it's what the Falcons did with Cordero Patterson, but Cordero Patterson has proven to be an ineffective receiver. Right. So they took his talent and said, okay, we're going to make you a running back and go from there. Debo Samuel's unique in that if it became illegal to line a wide receiver up in the backfield, he's still going to, you know, be a 1400 yard receiver. Oh yeah, totally. So it, he is, I, I do think that this isn't a one-off thing. I think you're going to start seeing teams, you know, when in the draft this year, bet there's going to be six. Oh, this guy's the next Debo Samuel. I mean, that, that happened that's, after that's 2019. Happened. No, I know, but even more so now. Yeah. And I think Antonio Gibson from, from Washington is another one, but I don't want to do a deep dive on positionless football right now. The other thing that really jumped out, especially late in the game, the Niners defensive front was, was really, really good. Yeah. I thought all game. Nick Bosa was but outstanding. He was unbelievable. Like Un- Nick Bosa essentially carried the defense on his back today. It felt like. Yes. Yes. And the defensive front was really good, but it, it became as clear as ever that if that pass rush is not getting home, <laughs> yikes. Because anytime Joe Burrow had a modicum of time, he was on the money to wide open guys. Why is Ambry Thomas, why are his hands anywhere near oh. receivers face masks? That's okay. And that's so that's not good, right? They they watched Jamar Chase and they took every time his skill set and said, okay, we can jam him at the line and you know make it difficult for him and let our pass rush get home, right? That at least is like just like a coaching thing. That's bring your hands down when you're jamming a guy. Like that that to me seems like an easy coaching point. So that's not it's concerning in this game specifically, but I don't think that that's a point that's going to be like a, an issue going forward for Ambry Thomas, but also to I your point, why are your hands up that high? And also like he bumped Jamar chase on, I think it was a game tying touchdown. It would have been. Oh, is that the one he that, that didn't count? It got rolled. Yeah. The, okay. No catch. Yeah. He bumped or him, a, which gave tying, him more but, yeah. separation. Which was like, yeah. Anyway, it's, it's, 
you understand you, you watch games like this from Ambry Thomas and you understand, okay, this is this is why the 49ers weren't super eager to throw him out there. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like he'd probably be better off right now had he gotten all that experience earlier. Right. Like the jamming a guy and having your hands hit him in the face twice, that like I said, that's just a coaching point. Right. Biting on the sluggo, the slant and go sluggo for football guys. Um, biting on the slant and go for the game tying touchdown. Like that's just a coat. That's a inexperienced player just biting on a route. Right. And, you know, ideally if he continues playing, he stops making those mistakes, but I feel like that's just such a product of, Oh, that guy's just been running against his own team all year in practice and not doing anything at game speed. Right. Yeah, it's so I mean, we, we've sort of jumped all over the place with with different discussion points. The 40. So I, I think it's fair just I'm just to look at the 49ers weaknesses for a second. They're two glaring ones that were really apparent in this game. Cornerback mm-hmm. is obviously a problem. I don't think we need to Correct. go over it any more than we already have. We've we've beaten that horse to death five times at this point, but it's still very apparent. And the reason why it's worth just even mentioning again is because the if the if and when the 49ers make the playoffs, any team they play in the first round is going to have le- legit receivers. Correct. There's there are no bad receiving cores at the top of the NFC. That's that's a problem. Second problem, man, the right side of the offensive line is just oh so bad in pass protection. And there are going to be times, and this is related to the cornerback situation. If your cornerback situation is that, and to your point, you are not getting home on your pass rush is not getting home as effectively as you need it to. You're going to be in high scoring games and you're going to be dropping back to pass a lot. And Jimmy Garoppolo is not particularly good under pressure. He's abysmal under pressure. You need the right side of the offensive line to be better in pass protection. Just full stop. No matter who you go against. Um, so that's, those are areas of concern, but other than that, this is a super positive development for the 49ers because, you know, as bad as Cincinnati played, like whatever, like it was a win against a fringe playoff team on the road and you had to have it and you had to have it in overtime after taking a haymaker to the mouth in the form of 17 unanswered points at the end of the game. And you still came back and won it. And ultimately that's the most important thing. Because they had not won a game like that this year. And that was the biggest indictment that I've had of this team is that they need to play a very specific way to win. And Mm -hmm. these are the type of wins that can maybe change the way you feel about your team if you're Kyle Shanahan and that, all right, maybe I do have a little bit more confidence in, in whatever situation we're in now. Like being able to win a game and be effective offensively without Elijah Mitchell feels like a big accomplishment at this point. Yeah. And aside, this is a different topic. Seeing George Kittle play the last two weeks, how the hell is he not getting 10 targets a game? I have no idea. How are there games where he gets like two and three targets? Like, how does that, how is that happening? I have no idea. I have no idea. (laughs) I have nothing for you on this. I get there's game plan specific stuff, but sometimes it's like, man, Get the ball every, to your guys. Every key moment, it, it feels like George Kittle is your most clutch player on offense. And Jimmy Garoppolo has more confidence in George Kittle than anybody else. Rightfully so. Like, feed your guy. At all, get like, the ball every to week, him. Every week. You think Travis Kelsey doesn't get doubled and bracketed and right. all kinds of stuff thrown at him? Throw, throw it to him. Right. And they've done it. 22 catches, 332 yards, and three touchdowns the last two weeks. Crazy. He had four catches for 34 yards against the Jaguars, four targets. Uh, one catch, two targets against Minnesota. I get these are like high volume running games, but like, but it doesn't matter. You're a better team when George Kittle is involved in the past. Yes. It's stop. that easy. You're just it's that a easy. Better team. So make that part of every game plan, no matter what. You and scrap the ball. scrap the play where he's not good enough to be on the field on fourth and one. <laughs> yes, I think they did that this week. 
Um, although there was a lot of, and maybe this is, I mean, Debo's coming off an injury, but there was also a lot of like Travis Benjamin's in the game and Debo Samuel standing on the sidelines. Like, what? I think he was on his like pitch count. Yeah, sure. I, I mean, yeah, I, I agree, but it's, it's, it's but, odd. It's, Travis Benjamin is not doing much for the 49ers these days. So he did get open on that one ball. That was six if Garoppolo gets it out earlier. But anyways, it doesn't matter. It it doesn't. It doesn't matter. Travis Benjamin should have caught that pass anyway. Ah, eh, Maybe. Yeah, he probably should have. He should have. He should have high pointed it. You're right. But Travis Benjamin, not a jump ball artist. Just got to be more physical with the catch point, Kyle. He does. Would River Craycraft has caught it? Chris, your thoughts. I haven't seen River River Craig <laughs> make that play. Nice special teams day for, uh, for River. really nice, really nice. Had a, had a, so he I recovered have, one of the muff punts. He did. So I have a I have a couple of things on what you said. One, the Niners needed this game. The Bengals needed this game arguably more than the 49ers did. Yeah. There yeah. are a bunch of teams hanging out in the AFC right now that are seven and five, seven and six. And now the Bengals fall to six and seven. Like that was a bad, bad loss for them. The other thing is, and so that to that point, like the Niners were battling a team that was also desperate. Like this wasn't a team that's, you know, way out of it and just kind of this is like you said, this is a fringe playoff team. They were in the playoffs today and now they're not going to be anymore. Had the Bengals won, they would have taken over first place in the NFC or AFC North. Right. Because the the Ravens lost. The fact the Ravens covered the two and a half is disgusting, by the way. That's another podcast. All right, y'all, if the playoff race has been on, but now we're down to the final five games of the season, and you're going to want to be in the building at Levi's Stadium. The 49ers have two home games left. They have one against the Cardinals, and then they have one against the Texans. You're going to be one of, you're going to want to be in the building for one, if not both of those. Maybe you want to be there. Maybe there's a 49 in your 49er fan in your life that would like to be there, and you're looking for a Christmas gift for them. Well, hey, I've got good news for you. You don't need to exhaust yourself going all over the internet, Googling all this. Oh, I need tickets and cheap tickets and oh, hitting up Facebook. And there's nothing worse than going on Facebook and being like, anybody have tickets to the Niner game? No, you don't have to do that anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need to go to for all of your NFL tickets. TickPick, they got they they did away with the the fees and the the extra charges and stuff that are just random like, Hey, you're not going to not go. So here's a $3 fee. Um, And then by the end, you realize that you're paying double what you thought you were going to be paying for tickets. That TickPick doesn't do that, which allows them to guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. And if you don't believe it, if you can find better prices for the same seats on a different ticket site, TickPick will give you 100, 110% of the difference in the purchase price. I was so shocked by that, that I stumbled over it. TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's right. You heard me right. I didn't get Niner tickets recently, but I did use TickPick to go to the Sacramento Kings Los Angeles Clippers game a couple weekends ago. I guess it was last weekend. I had a blast. I ate at the downtown commons beforehand. Hadn't even gotten tickets yet. I was like, I need to snag some tickets. I went on TickPick.com slash candlestick. Super easy and super cheap. It's so nice seeing a price on tickets grabbing two and knowing when I check out, that's going to be the price. I'm not going to be hit with a bunch of charges and fees. It's awesome. So again, if you want to go, if you have a Niner fan in your life that wants to go, they have two home games left and they're going to need to win both of those games in the playoff race. Levi's is going to be incredible and you're going to want to be in the building. So visit tickpick.com slash candlestick today to save $10 on your first order of 49ers tickets. That's tickpick.com slash candlestick. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The other, the other thing is, do you feel, <laughs> I feel like I'm more optimistic about the 49ers after the way they won than I would have been had Robbie Gold's field goal gone through at the end of regulation. Oh, that's an interesting point. Because if Gold drills that 47-yard field goal, our lasting memory of the game is drop pick six and Kittle having to make a leaping diving grab for a ball that was a little bit overthrown to him. And we're going, man, they re- man, they really, they shouldn't have, you know, they, they blew that late lead and they needed a couple, you know, a couple miracles at the end, but instead they go to OT, they give up the field goal. The defense stiffens up nicely. Nick Bosa gets a second sack of the game. They give up the field goal. And then the offense mows down. You said Jimmy Garoppolo, six, six, 77 yards and a touchdown. And they just kind of looked really good. And like a machine, like there, there were zero points where the offense looked flustered on that drive. Right. And I feel a lot to your point about them winning that kind of game had gold kicked a field goal. It's like, I mean, okay, they barely got into field goal range and needed some help to do it. But in this scenario, man, they, they went down three points in overtime and then flipped the switch offensively. The problem is where is that offense all the time? If they, if, if I understand you're not going to complete hundred percent of your passes, but where is that version of the offense that's helping put a team away in the second half? The Niners the last two weeks have three points in the second half. Yeah. Like where's, where is that, that step on the neck? Like, you know, you're up, you're up seven. They just, or you're up 14. They score to make it seven. Where is that? Like, fine. We're coming out guns blazing. That's the thing that's baffling to me. And maybe it's a Garoppolo issue. Maybe Garoppolo gets into OT in that situation. He's like, all right, I'm locked in. And if that's the case, like that's just a whole other issue. But I, I, I do wonder watching that overtime. My big question was, where is this way more often than we see? it? You know what I think that stems from? Hmm. We talked about Brandon Ayuk this week and how mm-hmm. the 49ers needed a big game from him. Mm-hmm. He had 11 targets today, <laughs> which was the most yeah. he's had all season. Six catches. Right. Uh, one off his season high. 62 yards in the tud? Uh, his final line, yeah, 62 yards in the touchdown. Um, I think that's ultimately the difference in the offense in terms of being that offense that needs to run the ball 40 times versus being more dynamic, which is what you're mm-hmm. alluding to, is having another guy, mm-hmm. right? Because when you have two guys and Debo Samuel and George Kittle, like it just, the equation changes dramatically when you have three. Yeah. It's really hard to defend three super dynamic guys. So yeah. And potentially four when Elijah Mitchell comes back. Right. So this is, that's the evolution of the offense that the 49ers need to take the next step towards where, what they want to be. Right. And so it's been sort of this slow burn on Brandon Ayuk all season, and he's starting to come on a little bit. But just the fact that, like, the 49ers didn't come into this game being like, man, you know, we, we, we need 100 yards from Debo Samuel or we're, or we're cooked. Mm-hmm. Right. The fact that, because you had mentioned it last week, that like there are a lot of games when George Kittle gets a ton of targets and the 49ers lose. And they in were... large part, he's gotten all those targets during a significant portion of his time with the 49ers because they don't have any other dynamic playmakers. Mm-hmm. So now they have Debo, who was hurt today. 
but when he's hurt, you you have Brandon Ayuk, and that just changes everything because you can you can go to somebody else in a clutch situation when George Kittle's covered by three guys. Yeah. And Debo Samuel, you know, they're game planning for him too. So like if you have that those that third and fourth guy, that's when the offense can take a really significant leap. The play and, call for Ayuk at the end of the game is sick. Sorry, go ahead. Flow. How often do we talk about flow in the in the group chat? Legitimately every single game. <laughs> but it always works. It always works. And but when you have that, when you can throw it to Brandon Ayuk, Brandon Ayuk turns the corner and scores a touchdown. When you're throwing that to Ross Dwelly or Charlie Werner or God bless him, Kyle Usechek, like they're not get, they're not getting the corner. They're getting you some yards. Right. But they're not turning that into six points. And to, to what you're saying, when you have to, okay, where's Debo Samuel? Okay, he's going in motion. He could take a handoff here. Okay, no, they're throwing. Oh, wait, it's play action. Like, defenses have so much stuff to worry about. And then you have one of the most athletic guys on the field in Brandon Ayuk just taking this short throw and turning it into a touchdown. Like, that's the peak of the 49ers offense is, all right, it's running the ball effectively. Like, Jeff Wilson Jr. wasn't bad. The volume just wasn't there today. So you go, okay, you have a running back, an effective running back to worry about. Now it's, okay, now it's play action and there's all this pre-snap motion. Like you see the vision right. and it played out there in, in overtime. I mean, if they yeah. get consistently good quarterback play and Kyle Shanahan said it after the game, when they don't turn the ball over, they're hard to beat. I mean, once again, they're now 5-0 and when they win the turnover battle. Yeah. And it's, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah, it's. It really can be that simple sometimes. Um, but it, just in terms of like what this 49ers offense can be, it feels long-term like it could be pretty scary. Yeah. Right? Like if, if Trey Lance develops and you drop Trey Lance into an offense with George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Elijah Mitchell, Kyle Juszczyk, and if you figure out how to fortify the right side of your offensive line, then in 2022, you're like, all right, we should, we should really be dynamic. Yeah. Um, but in, in the short term, like this is the type, I mean, the thing is with Jimmy Garoppolo and I understand why Kyle Shanahan sticks with Jimmy Garoppolo the way that he does. Like Jimmy Garoppolo was not solely responsible for what happened in 2019, but he did tie the NFL lead with comeback or go ahead drives in the fourth quarter that year. Right with four like jimmy garoppolo has been clutch at times throughout his career mm -hmm. it's just always been this caveat that like man sometimes those games are few and far between you know i think the his his wins and loss record like i think there are outliers you know he was five sure. and oh to start that was kind of weird a weird situation um you know we can win with jimmy yeah. it's like yeah you can win with jimmy but like I think this season ultimately would be the, the referendum on Jimmy Garoppolo and the fact the 49ers are seven and six with Jimmy Garoppolo as their quote unquote franchise quarterback for the year. Seven and five when he starts. Seven and five when he starts. But you do have to factor in the game he didn't play in because the injuries are always part of the discussion with him. Sure. But like seven and six kind of feels like Jimmy Garoppolo, right? More so than the 25 and four record or whatever he had. Totally whenever he had it like that, that to me, you know, it's, I, I just feel like that is much more indicative of what Jimmy Garoppolo is that their record they have this year is much more indicative of Jimmy Garoppolo. When you factor in the entire, the entirety of Jimmy Garoppolo's body of work and his availability issues and consistency and all that stuff. Like this is what Jimmy Garoppolo is. He's a seven and six quarterback who can be good enough at certain times and who can also be bad to make you want to pull your hair out in frustrating losses. But he's always gotten better when he's healthy. He's always gotten better in November and December. Mm -hmm. And we're, you know, starting to see some of that now with the exception of last week in Seattle. And, and that's, that's where we talked about this being the whole Jimmy Garoppolo experience. And I think that's where kind of the discussion is because did he, was he key to them winning in overtime? Yes. But a a lack of good throws earlier in the game was part of the reason they were in overtime. Yeah. 
like that's point. they only scored three points in the second half right but he was also so, under under siege because the right side of the off- right. offensive line couldn't block anybody right it was, it was really bad that's that's like putting away jimmy garoppolo for a minute he was good when it when it really counted today the the offensive line you talked about it earlier but it can't be stated enough like mike mcglinchey going down i know he caught a lot of flack but he was miles better than Tom Compton at everything run blocking, pass blocking. And Daniel Brunskill wasn't supposed to be the starter, frankly. Um, they drafted a, a guard in the second round, hoping to replace Daniel Brunskill, even though he's tough to beat out. He wasn't supposed to be starting. So that's, that's where the right side of the offensive line is at. And for as bad as the secondary is, the right side of that offensive line is, is as bad. The tough to beat out thing is always funny. It's really fun for it for So for listeners who aren't familiar with the tough to beat out bit, it's like when in the, it, in, in the 2019 off season or sorry, the 2018 off season, when they were coming off that, that last year, when Jimmy Garoppolo tore his ACL, the 49ers had an obvious need at pass rusher um, edge defender specifically. And they completely neglected the position in the draft and Kyle Shanahan's rationale or what he said during the draft when after the 49ers did not draft an edge player was it's tough, tough to beat out Cassius Marsh. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like false. No, it's that's, not. That's, that's, <laughs> if, if it's tough to beat cash, if it's tough to beat out Cassius Marsh, you are not getting the right players. Right. Um, and then coincidentally, the 49ers get D Ford and Nick Bosa the next offseason and go to the Super Bowl. Go figure. <laughs> but um, so whenever we like, quip about tough to beat out Daniel Brunskill. It's like they say things like this because they really like sort of these lesser known players, these not super talented players. It's like, but it's kind of bullshit. Yeah. Like Daniel Brunskill is the definition of an average guard in the league. He is just a, if he is your backup, like, like he's your first reserve offensive lineman, you feel really good about it. Yeah. You're fine. Yeah. Like in 2019, yeah. He played some right tackle and did a nice job and filled in at right guard and did a nice job. But when he's your game in and game out starter, like those flaws start to get exposed. And you're seeing it now with Tom Compton, too. Tom Compton, really good block on Debo Samuel's touchdown run. He had a overall, couple of really good blocks on that drive. Overall, the 49ers like Tom Compton a lot for his run blocking. Right. Just horrendous in pass protection. Like, like, do, really bad like noticeably bad yeah yeah so what five sacks today the 49ers allowed yeah yeah so that's that's an issue but like and it felt like 10 yeah because it, it they're in the second half they just couldn't the one where garoppolo dropped the ball was not the offensive line's fault it was not that was that was on jimmy i think He's got to the top of his drop and his hand stopped working. He was he was just standing there. It was it wasn't even like he was at the top of his drop, but then he had time to just sit there and pad the ball and just dropped it. Just weirdest thing. It didn't it wasn't even like he went to throw it and dropped it. He just dropped it. Anyway, that was odd. But do you want to get to pick six? Yeah, let's get to pick six. Tyler, drop that. Do the thing, Tyler. All right, pick six on the Friday pod. Chris and I each pick three players that we think are going to have a good game or will be important to the 49ers' success on Sunday. Chris, you had the first pick this week. Let's get into it. You took DJ Jones with the number one pick. I loved the idea. I saw where you were going with it. He was excellent against Seattle. The Bengals' offensive line isn't very good. DJ Jones, your thoughts? Well, the premise was, aside from just being a total hipster, that the uh, the Bengals were a pretty good rushing team. Um, and you have Joe Mixon, you have Samaj P. Ryan, pretty good running backs, right? And you take DJ Jones, or I take DJ Jones in this game because I think, all right, for the 49ers stopping the run is going to go a long way towards them winning and controlling tempo and doing those things that they like to do. Yeah. So DJ Jones' stat line. Uh, four tackles, four tackles, yeah. two assisted tackles, boy, 
But more important than that mm-hmm. is that the Bengals averaged three and a, 3.3 yards per carry on 26 carries. Did not have a rushing touchdown. Yeah. For and the they tried. Part, Boy, they tried. Yeah, for the most part, a one-dimensional offense. Like, their longest run was 17 yards. Yeah. Um, how much Im- influence did DJ Jones have on that? I got to go back and watch the All-22, which will come out Tuesday or Wednesday. <laughs> but okay. um, the point here is whether or not DJ Jones was a good pick. I made the pick because the 49ers needed to stop the run or limit the run, and that's what they did. I thought he'd make a couple splash plays. Yeah, he didn't. I do want to shout out. Speaking of run defense, real quick, there was a there was a third and short that the Bengals got, where Josh Norman did a really nice job of setting the edge and forcing Samaje Pirine to cut inside right into Kevin Givens, and then Pirine just ran through Kevin Givens for a first down. That was tough. DJ Jones would have stopped him. That's my point. Um, <laughs> My first pick, the number two overall pick, was Aziz Alshire. Aziz Alshire, who left the game in the third quarter, mind you, with an elbow injury. He was eventually ruled out. So in about two and a half quarters, 11 tackles, a sack that he got because he was the closest to Joe Burrow when Joe Burrow ran out of bounds. It was Eric Armstead and Dick Bosa with the pressure, and then Alshire was just next to him when he ran out of bounds. So he gets the sack, three tackles for loss, and a pass breakup, and also tipped a pass that wound up getting caught for a first down by Jamar Chase. Probably would have been an interception by Fred Warner. But Aziz Alshire, once again, was just kind of everywhere all the time. He's, He's really good, good. Yeah, you're... He also you're, whiffed a couple of tackles. You're worried about that elbow injury, though. Definitely. If it's the same... It's not I'm, ideal. I'm guessing it's the same elbow that he wears the big brace on. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I think that's an injury that that he's he he's been dealing with for a while and if it's like if it's gotten worse then that's problematic at this point in the season so we'll keep an eye on that we'll know it might be that by the time you listen to this podcast on monday we're recording sunday night that there's more news from kyle shanahan's um post-mortem conference call but um that would be a big loss yeah because you haven't gotten that all pro season from fred warner and aziz has been a big part of of the defense and forced turnovers. He's, you know, he's, he's actually made some plays. One, one of the few guys on that defense has made some plays. So yeah, was a good game from him before he got hurt. My second pick was Josh Norman on the basis of Josh Norman can't be terrible uh, because the 49ers just can't afford to T Higgins and Jamar chase to just go off. Um. Well- <laughs> T. Higgins, 114 yards on five catches. Uh, Jamar Chase, uh, five catches, 77 yards, two touchdowns, including um, the game tire. I believe that was on Ambry Thomas. I I didn't think Norman was great today. Did you? No, I mean, he wasn't a total disaster, but I mean, it wasn't like, oh, man, Josh Norman. What a play. Right. It didn't force a fumble. Right. Nothing, nothing like that. Um, I'm not optimistic he was about fine. the 49ers quarterback situation. I'm just yeah, it's not great. It's not great. Um, yeah, Josh Norman. I mean, I liked the pick, but the Bengals passing offense was... I think Norman got lucky that the Niners defensive front was really good. Yeah. Fourth pick. He just can't. He just can't cover people. No, he just can't. He's not. He's just not that good of a player anymore. He probably shouldn't be on an NFL team. But here we are. Uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. was the number four overall pick. My second pick. Thirteen. Thirteen carries, fifty-six yards, averaged four point three in attempt. His longest rush was twelve yards. Didn't receive a target in the passing game. I thought the volume probably could have been a little higher, but I mean, he was he was okay. He played two snaps surpri- last week. Yeah, I'm surprised that uh, that he didn't get more work, but I'm guessing that that's related to the fact that he only played two snaps last week because of his knee. Uh, Might have been on some kind of pitch count. I don't know that, but 13 carries. If you showed me just this box score of the running backs, 
where it's Wilson 13 carries, Debo 8, Ayuk 1, Garoppolo 1. I chalked the 49ers up with the loss. Yeah, I agree. But Wilson was, he was Wilson. He was just okay. No carries for Jamichael Hasty. Nope. Couple catches. No carries. He wasn't, he wasn't picked in pick six, but I just wanted to point that out. Like, aside from just getting Elijah Mitchell back and healthy, and like Jamichael Hasty's a nice player, I guess, but like getting a third down back, like a real third down back who can be like a viable weapon and not just a body capable of being on the field would make a big difference. Yeah. Because the 49ers... I'm I'm with you. Another thing today, I mean, they were... They were bad on third down. Mm -hmm. Pretty much for the entire game. Yeah. So, yeah, that's an area that... uh, in the offseason that we can talk about when that gets here. Um, Just the guy that teams have to cover out of the backfield. But somebody who can, like, get a first down. Like, right. they like Jamichael Hasty because he can catch passes and maybe he's fine in, in blitz pickup or whatever. But, like, Jamichael Hasty make any playmaker. plays on third down? No, he's just a guy. He just kind of catch catches passes it, as the it, check down and gets tackled. It feels like if you remove Jamichael Hasty and just replaced him with any replacement level running back, you could get the same production. Exactly. Um, all right, my third and final pick, number five Man. overall. Uh, tight end George Kittle. Ever heard of him? <laughs> no, no, Chris, tell me about him. Uh, 13 catches, 15 targets, 151 Jeez. yards, one touchdown. Um, first tight end in NFL history to have 150 yards and a touchdown in consecutive games. Is that right? Hold on. That sounds right. He's the second tight end ever yes, to have end in NFL yards history. In consecutive yep, games. Wait, say yours again, because my mine was correct. He's the second tight end. This is per Nick Wagner of ESPN. Second tight end since nineteen in NFL history to have one hundred and fifty plus receiving yards in consecutive games. The other one was uh, Sh- the other one was Shannon Sharp in nineteen ninety six. Yeah. Yeah. I don't need to make the point again, but like George Kittle needs lots of targets every week, all the time. And I don't care how well you're running the ball. He needs to be a focal point of the passing game. Yeah. Okay. And rant. It's, <laughs> it's one of those things. that's just not that hard to figure out. Even yeah. if he's being, even if he's being covered, like force the ball to him, he's going to make a play. You can figure out ways to isolate him. You can get him on option routes. You like there's there are ways to get him the ball if you're just willing you see- <laughs> to to just think outside of like what you decided on Monday and Tuesday. Did you see Zach Taylor's quote after the game? I did not. What do you say? They said, "Hey, how come you couldn't stop George Kittle?" Something to that effect. And he was like, "We tried everything. Like <laughs> just didn't just didn't didn't take." Yeah, George Kittle might win you this week. He was that good. My last pick, the sixth overall pick, was Nick Bosa. And remember I said I wasn't going to predict it, but it wouldn't surprise me if it happened, if he set a career high in sacks. He had three tackles, two sacks, a couple quarterback hits, and two tackles for losses are all the sacks. He also had a sack nullified because of an Ambry Thomas hands-to-the-face penalty. He was just a menace, dude. I'm really interested to see what his pressure totals are from PFF after this game. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's in like 10 or 11 range. Is ridiculous. Is Nick Bosa going to get defensive player of the year votes? I think he'll be in the conversation. If the Niners can, if the Niners beat Houston and beat Atlanta and then can swing an upset over the Titans or the Rams. Yeah. If they get to 10 wins. Yeah, if they get to 10 wins and specifically here's the big here's the big key that Titans game is on national TV on Thursday night football and the Rams game depending on how this all shakes out could be on national TV on Sunday night football. Right. I don't think it's probably going to go that way, but there's a chance of it. But if he goes on national TV to Tennessee, let's say the Niners beat the Falcons to get to 8 wins. And then they go on Thursday night football and Bosa has just a monster game against the Titans and the Niners win that game. 
I could see that kind of starting the conversation of like, where is he in the, in the DPOY conversation? Cause if he's going to have 16 plus sacks and they're going to win 10 games. And he's a big part of that. He'll be in the discussion. Niners defense came into this week, ranked six, just in, in yardage. And I know DVOA they're like top 10 in defense. Yeah. I feel like Nick Bosa's easily like far and away the player most responsible for the defense having those types of numbers. If he's 20% worse of a player, I think the Niners have like six wins. <laughs> Wait, hang on. That for the wrong. season? You yes, mean? that's yeah, that's that's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't feel like the defense is talented, like all that talented right now. Yeah, Fred Warner's obviously really good, and Aziz Alshire has been a revelation, and Jimmy Ward and Jaquaski Tartar are good players, but I I if Nick Bosa was just a replacement level defensive end, Cassius Marsh, if he was Cassius Marsh, <laughs> this defense would be really bad. Really like bad. there's no, there'd be nobody on the defensive line worth, worth trying to block. They were, they came into this week fourth in passing defense, just in, in terms of yardage. Wow. That's because of the defensive front. Yeah. Oh, That's insane to me, right? Like, look at how bad the 49ers cornerbacks are, and they still came into this game fourth in passing defense. Yeah. Nick Bosa's really, really good. Yep. Like, really good. Um, I texted this to the thread. Harden Key, not bad. He's frisky. He can do some stuff. He's kind of a useful rotational pass rusher. Moving him inside was a really smart move by yeah. Chris Kasirk and the coaching staff. Yeah. He's he's athletic enough that he just, like once or twice a game, just blows past a guard. Yeah, and you can do some games and stuff with Nick Bosa. Yeah. Like, yeah. Nice. It's it's great, like, great, great, great defensive move moving him inside. Or great move by the defensive coaching staff moving him inside. Yeah. And it's it just feels like, all right, about time they like, hit on one of these random fringe guys that they <laughs> seem to show more belief in than anybody else. The whole time Dion Jordan just needed to rush from the interior sometimes. Yeah. Dion Jordan is watching this game somewhere. I'm assuming he's out of the league. Is he out of the league? Yeah, I think so. Charles Omenahu had a tipped pass today. He did. That was a nice play. It was a, a play really nice play. Burrow was rolling out. How healthy do you think Burrow's finger was today? Not. He missed a lot of throws. He did, but he got pretty dialed in the second half, it seemed like. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. He, he good healthy enough. Healthy enough that I'm not going like, oh, the Niners lose if he's if he didn't hurt his finger last week. I'm not there. Joe Burrow in the second half, 13 of 18, 200 yards, two touchdowns. <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo in the second half, 10 of 19, 139 yards, no touchdowns. And until overtime. Yeah, but overtime though. Yeah, overtime though. The whole Niners offense was was bad. I'm trying to see how I'm I'm excited to rewatch this one and kind of crack it open again in our midweek podcast. Yeah, we'll have a pot out Wednesday. And there's yeah. just because, like I said, there's so much to kind of wrap our heads around the injury news coming out from Shanahan on Monday. Monday afternoon will be will be interesting. Right. There's just that th- so much happened. But the also, big takeaway is go ahead. No. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo had a pretty good limp going at the end of the fourth quarter. He sure did. And we've seen it before. Jimmy Garoppolo limps around. Has to miss the second half against Seahawks. Has to miss the next week. Just saying we might have some Jimmy Garoppolo news on Monday. He did it against the Jets, too, where he played that first half on a Ankle he was sprain. excellent in that first half against the Jets. Yeah, man. he was excellent in overtime today. Yeah, so George Kittle yeah, mentioned after be worth the game. An eye on. Yeah, George George Kittle mentioned after the game the turf was like playing on cement, and yes. he's Kittle's pretty banged up. Um, so that's worth keeping an eye on. But he's, I mean, he's fine. But it's just when one of your best players is hurt. Yeah. Anyway, um, good Tons win though. to get into in the midweek. Huge win. And now we'll 
recap it again on Wednesday, go over kind of some of the other stuff and start looking ahead to the Falcons. We'll get a guest on too, hopefully. Yeah. That is a uh, big game coming up against the Falcons who, who smacked up the Panthers pretty good today. So Falcons best one of the year for sure. Kyle Pitts, the guy the Niners should have traded up for. Stop. <laughs> have you seen those Kyle stories? Pitts, Kyle Pitts revenge game. Those there's like stories like Sean McVay thought Kyle Shanahan was trading yeah. up for Kyle Pitts. Yeah, I wrote about that at Niners Wire. He he. It wasn't necessarily that he thought they traded up for him, but he was like the thought crossed his mind of like, wait a minute, did they are they swinging for the fences here? That would have been insane. I'm glad they didn't. That would have been an all time just like just stupid thing to do. <laughs> yeah, totally. Let's get out of here. Yeah, we're getting up. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll yeah, have another thanks. Pod, uh, on Wednesday, subscribe, rate, and review. Whatever you get your podcast on yeah. the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Tyler, roll the start rolling the music. And we'll talk to you guys yeah. this week. Yeah, we'll have a couple more pods. We'll have a couple more guests. We'll get you locked in for Niners Falcons after we figure out what the hell just happened today. Bye. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.